Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. And on the road, live from the Church of St. Joseph in Montevideo, Minnesota, only on the RPR Network. Good morning, everybody. Steve Sponskowski here along with Brandon Clark. And we're coming to you live, as just mentioned, from Montevideo, Minnesota. It's St. Joseph's Catholic Church. We're sitting right out front. So if you're driving black down Black Oak Avenue, wave and say hi. Uh, it's good to be here with you this morning here in Montevideo, and we have a great show lined up for you, don't we, Brandon? We sure do, uh, and we're excited to visit with a bunch of local folks here from uh, St. Joseph's Parish, hear about their story. We have some inspiring stories that we'll share with you, and, uh, you know, it's just great to be in another uh, local area, bringing local stories and uh, just spending time with the people here in Montevideo, Steve. And actually, all week, we're going to be local folks. We have our live drive coming up starting tomorrow morning and so we're actually going to be local and live all week from 7 a.m to 7 p.m uh starting tomorrow morning and so uh, tune in and listen to the great stories we have of faith and also it's your opportunity to support real presence radio especially if you haven't ever called in and supported real presence radio before please consider prayerfully consider that this week and you'll learn more about that as we talk uh coming up yeah absolutely and we uh have a great guest who is uh, waiting in the wings right now, Paul Dezeu, which uh, we'll get to in just a moment. But Eli, Eli, that, that, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that's you. There we go. <laughs> Thanks for waking up this morning. Well, I, you know, I was I was waiting for the part where it's like, you know, oh, and Eli, what do we have coming up on the show? You oh, just like, okay, no, okay, yeah. Eli, what do we have coming up on there the show we today? Go. All okay. righty. Well, here's what's coming up on this morning's Real Presence Live. He was surrounded by Catholics, but as a Protestant, he couldn't quite make the jump. That was until he really started searching for God and the faith. Turn in to hear, tune in to hear Paul's journey home to the Catholic Church. That'll be coming up right away this morning during our Inspired segment. And it's a Vatican-approved Eucharistic Miracles display, and it could be coming to a place near you this week. Earl Markley will share all the details about this special tour as he travels with our RPR Live Drive road team. That'll be, uh, of course, starting tomorrow through Friday. And it's a special gift for the Hispanic community in the Diocese of Superior. What is this gift, and how could it beautifully impact the diocese for the next five years? That's what we'll find out as we visit with a special guest towards the end of the show. All that and a whole lot more coming up this morning on Real Presence Live. All right. Or Steve. (laughs) Somebody. Can I talk now, Eli? Yeah, you can talk, Steve. I was waiting for you to say Steve, and then you said Brandon. Well, see, Brandon pitched it to me, so I was giving it back to him. All right. Well, it's like when you play football, you, like, throw it to each other. So here we go. Oh, yeah, like a triangle shape. Right. Now I feel caught in the middle. Why can't I get the ball? Are we playing anyway, we're back to the show and uh, Real Presence Live. Thanks, Eli. We're looking forward to uh, to that uh, this uh, hour. These two hours here at Real Presence Live are going to be with you until 11 a.m. this afternoon, so please tune in. Um, and <laughs> You're already tuned in. If you have friends uh, who are, uh, are nearby or are not listening, enjoy, invite them to tune in as well. We're listening. You're listening on 89.5 FM here in Montevideo, and uh, we are here with you. 
Yeah, and uh, we, we don't have a 10-minute tour this morning, but I did want to bring something forward. If you're listening in the Ely area, this, uh, I believe, Sunday, September 22nd, there is a parish breakfast at St. Anthony's, and it'll be after the 10 a.m. Mass featuring French toast, sausage, scrambled eggs, fruit, cottage cheese, and uh, just a, a delicious breakfast, and it's to help support Real Presence Radio in 106.7 FM there in the Babbitt, Ely, Virginia, Eveleth Tower area. It will actually be up there later this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just want to get the word out, uh, if you have a chance on September 22nd after the 10 a.m. Mass to uh, go to St. Anthony's, have a parish breakfast, please do. Uh, it's for uh, helping support Catholic Radio, but then you also, you know, build your parish community, enjoy a breakfast. So check that out if you can, uh, if you're in the 106.7 listening area. All right, so we're going to turn now to our first guest, Paul DeZeo, here in Montevideo. And, uh, Inspired, sharing your journey. It's going to be an inspiring story, can you tell? <laughs> there we go. All right. So that wasn't me singing, folks, just so you know. I can sing, but not like that. What? So, yeah. Paul, how are you this morning? Hey, I'm fine. The sun is out, kind of, although it's a little bit behind the clouds, but we're going to have a sunny day, I we, think. We know yeah. it's up there somewhere. It's there. Yeah. It's there. It started raining <laughs> at about 3 a.m. this morning and uh, stopped raining at about, what, 6.30? 6.30, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, we had some thunder boomers out we there. We did. It was loud. It was loud. Uh, we were staying in our camper down at the... Uh, the lagoon park there and uh, that roof makes uh, there's not much space there it, 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 between you and the roof it makes a lot of noise <laughs> but uh, it was a actually it's kind of nice i like i like rain yeah yes. it. um yeah. It's, it's easy to sleep through so all right paul so how are you this morning and uh or we just talked about that how you're doing this morning but uh, we're going to talk this morning about your journey to the catholic faith but before we talk about that um you grew up protestant i did so talk to us a little bit about that i grew up in southwestern minnesota uh Calvinist, Presbyterian, uh, a lot of my family would be like Methodist, uh, Dutch Reform, pretty conservative area. And uh, But uh, my mom and dad were always open to other people. You know, so along the way, uh, a lot of my friends were Catholic. It, you know, one of my dad's good friends was a Catholic, and they had business dealings with each other. Uh, we are from a farming background. And uh, so nothing negative was said about Catholics, so they're okay people. And then uh, going to the Presbyterian Church, my aunt was a, a significant teacher of mine. So a lot of my family members were either uh, like organists or musicians. And so we had a lot of music around us in the congregation, and then the congregation would sing in harmony. Hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, I like music a lot. So, um, age 17, I decided that, uh, you know, I was confirmed in the church. Went on to college at the University of Minnesota Morris. Uh, one of my close friends, his brother, who they were Catholic, I'd played sports with him and played in the band with him in the high school band. We decided to go up to the University of Minnesota Morris, and uh, we went on campus, took a day off visited the campus, working on campus, and there uh, the uh, dean of the college was walking on campus. He said, what are you guys doing? You're visiting? Yeah, we're visiting. He said, well, we need students. I want you to come to college here. So I did. And my friend Bob, so I lived 
off campus with uh, the Nichols brothers and uh, I was in the music department up there and uh, one of the main things in the music department was is uh, there were a lot of musicians and I felt comfortable with all of that and some of the musicians that were in the music department we ended up forming a like a, a white R&B group music mm. group mm-hmm. had a lot of fun with that played music with them you know here's the deal they were Catholic <laughs> <laughs> hey there's some more Catholics in my life so uh, and I gotta tell you the name of the group there there was a two brothers and a sister Johnny Faith Tony Faith and Janet Faith name of the group Faith in the Believers. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. And then there were other Catholics in the group besides, so I guess we all kind of did it together. And then one of the more important parts, however, was uh, in English class. Sitting behind me was Jolene. Jolene, uh, you know, we talked and visited and so on. Well, Jolene became my wife. And... Uh, just putting a plug in. We've been married for 51 years. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Congratulations. It is. And I would have to say, those friends, Jolene especially, is one of the reasons why I became Catholic. Yeah. But on the road to that, I I really felt music was the thing, but I wanted to be a rock and roll R&B player. Mm-hmm. I did get a degree in elementary ed. One of the classes that was important, though, besides the music and stuff, was uh, I had a philosophy course. And within that philosophy course, you study the, the great philosophers, St. Augustine, along with that. And the professor was very good. I got into philosophy as far as reading it. And that was good. I re- Did I realize later on I would come back to that again, but that kind of laid the roots for uh, learning uh, that type of thing. Okay, so here I end up in Montevideo, Minnesota, uh, teaching school, uh, doing that, but I was still playing in musical groups, and I was doing a lot of playing in bars, uh, different things like that, and I really wasn't attending church. I'd go to church with Jolene, just go, you know, and... uh, Were you Catholic at that point? No. Okay. Didn't become Catholic until 1986. uh, We doing okay on time? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, okay. Here I am in Montevideo, Minnesota. I taught for four years, but I wanted to pursue music more. Mm -hmm. I got with a group of people. Uh, Matter of fact, that was the years where I could earn more money playing music than I could teaching school. Mm -hmm. The salaries were low supplemented our income and uh, so we're playing around doing that kind of stuff Um, I also played with some gospel groups that were like uh, Protestant evangelical and we'd play in different places and I'd play with them and different groups and that was kind of cool yeah I mean you had altar calls Mm -hmm. you know people testify that they were Say born again, mm-hmm. yep. you know. So I, I'm familiar with all of that, but it felt good to be in the Catholic Church. And then, so 
I went playing music, played a lot of different country music, you name it, played for different, uh, you know, private parties, things all along that line. Uh, and what was happening though was, is there's, there was, the music wasn't doing it, you know, it was kind of empty, but, you know, uh, so then Father Casey comes along and he said, uh, he, he and I had been visiting and I had a pretty good biblical background and he said, you have a good background in the Bible, I've been talking to you and stuff, and why don't you teach some of the CD classes? And I said, are you sure you want me to teach CD classes? I'm not Catholic. He said, well, you are. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I want to pause just right there and let our listeners know, uh, if you're just tuning in, we're li- you're listening to Real Presence Live here on Real Presence Radio. We're coming to you this morning live from Montevideo, Minnesota at St. Joseph Catholic Church here. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Clark, joined by Executive Director Steve Sponskowski. And we're visiting with Paul DeZeo about uh, his journey to the to the church and how he's basically been surrounded by Catholics his entire life and uh, and he was just getting into talking about um, how there was a priest who, who wanted him to uh, teach some CCD courses so well, we'll jump back into that okay so I was teaching CD classes I love children I I like teaching I think God really wanted me to be a teacher but at this time I was not teaching I was working different jobs playing music uh, doing my own thing really you know and uh, so this would be we're into the 80s now and went through the 70s played a lot of music I was kind of floundering around uh, and I decided to give up music it just wasn't doing it some of the jobs are going bad during the 80s the, the economy was kind of flipping around some of the businesses were closed that I was working for I was doing sales work uh, along with some labor type of things and uh, the business would close and I said hey you know what this isn't going so good so uh, my wife and Jolene and I we visited we prayed on it a lot mm-hmm. and what came back was Paul you need to be a teacher and we just went on a lark I said I'm gonna go up to St. Cloud they've got a special ed program up there and we're just gonna drive up there and here it was August campus would be closed pretty much they weren't started yet but we got to campus there was a person there who actually was the head of the department for special education told them our story said yeah we can get you in and uh, so that did happen for me this would be about 1984-85 right in there I quit playing music I quit my guitars were put away they were out uh, at home yet uh, Father Casey comes up to me and says, Paul, you need to be a Catholic. He said, you really do. I'm starting a, the RCIA program. He was teaching it. Uh, I said, okay, I'm in. And at that same time, uh, it was 1986 that I came into the Catholic Church full communion. It's wonderful. My good friend right there, Dave Swenson, <laughs> who I knew... I met him in college. We worked together. Yep. Okay. He was my sponsor. Mm. That's great. And now, I apologize. We're getting short on time, so I want to skip yep. ahead just a little bit here. So you came into the church in 1986. Yep. Um, what has it been like being a Catholic? You know, what has that journey been like since 1986 uh, as you look back on it sitting here now? 
I sat back in the church, sat with my family, and but I was empty yet still. I mean, even though I had God had the Eucharist, I needed music. It was just part of me. So Sue Botton, who directed the choir here, mm-hmm. she said, Paul, bring your guitar, you come and play. So I did. Uh, went to some national conventions. I met people like Ken Cannonito, uh, uh, Tom Booth. Uh, and I got to see them personally. I had some great experiences. We don't have time for all of that. But the Holy Spirit was there. We were, were. So anyway, that's the way that goes. And here's the deal. RPR Radio. That's helped me grow tremendously. The apologetics. It's been so great for me. Uh, Dr. Scott Hahn, his works. One of the gentlemen here, we were talking prior to my coming on, is you know how God puts people in our lives or puts us with people in our lives. We're in a battle. Yeah. I firmly yeah. believe that. We need to bring more people into the church that we, they need to know God, mm-hmm. Jesus, and and I guess Jesus, uh, God is using me. And to do that, why an older person? I'm 71 years old, but I guess we have some experience. We can share that. And I was a sinner, am a sinner. Thank God for the the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And God, Jolene, my wife, you know, so hey, friends. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Paul, for being on with You're us welcome. this morning and sharing your story. The time just goes it does, so quickly it? When, <laughs> when, when, when we, uh, but we, we very much enjoyed uh, hearing about your journey, and, and thank you for sharing that. You know, we, we just never know who's out there listening who needed to hear yeah. exactly what you have to say. God wants you to be a Catholic. He wanted me to be a Catholic. That's and, the that's the deal. And then even when you those gifts that you have, he uses those gifts definitely um, for his people, for his church. And so thank you for saying yes to You're that. You're welcome. Um, sometimes he takes things away from us, and then he gives them back to us right. when, when we're ready to use right. them for him. So right, thank you for that. Absolutely. You're welcome. Well, Paul mentioned the importance of the Eucharist, and we actually have a very special Eucharistic miracles tour that is or display. As we were here in in Montevideo last night, and it'll be in Pine Island. We'll tell you all about that on the other side of this break as we visit with Earl Markley. He's the one traveling with the display, and uh, he'll share where it's going to be coming so that you can come out and see it. It's incredible, and we'll tell you all about it on the other side of this break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live on the road to come from the Church of St. Joseph in Montevideo, Minnesota on the Real Presence Radio Network. This week is the Fall Live Drive at Real Presence Radio. Call in Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central Time to support the mission of Real Presence Radio and keep Catholic Radio on the air. Our goal is to raise $600,000, which is the largest goal we've ever had. And with your support, we know we can do it. Our friendly volunteers will be standing by waiting for your call at 877-795-0122. 
Real Presence Radio invites you to experience the Eucharistic Miracles Display at St. Philip's Church in Bemidji, Wednesday evening, September 18th. This Vatican-approved display will be traveling with us during our fall live drive tour. A special presentation will start at 6.30 p.m., and it'll all be on display until 8.30. There's no cost to attend, but will be a free will offering available. Check our website to see all the stops for this Eucharistic Miracles Display, and join us for our fall live drive, September 18th through the 20th. Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Events Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. Hey everyone, Steve Sponskowski here, Executive Director for the RPR Network. Our fall live drive will be Wednesday, September 18th through Friday the 20th. And if you're in the Pine Island area on the 18th, we're bringing our live drive tailgate party to St. Michael's Church. What's that mean? Well, from 1230 to 230, you can stop by and have lunch on us. Enjoy brats, chips, and pop while listening to the live broadcast. It's our live drive tailgate party at St. Michael's Church in Pine Island. Wednesday, September 18th from 1230 to 230. See you then. listening to Real Presence Live on the road, coming to you from the Church of St. Joseph in Montevideo, Minnesota. If you're in the area, we invite you to stop by and visit. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook page and be sure to like us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning, everybody. We're just sitting out here whistling in front of... You can whistle. You can't? I can't. Uh-oh. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. We're at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Montevideo, Minnesota. Thanks for having us here. Uh, Father Paul Timmerman, we thank you for inviting us and allowing us to be here. We had a great conversation with him last night. We'll be talking with him a little later, but right now we're going to turn to a conversation with Earl. Morning, Earl. How are you doing this today? Good morning. I'm doing great. Excellent. 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 Earl is traveling with us. Earl Markley is traveling with us on our live drive on the road tour. And so he's actually not traveling with us. He's actually getting to places before we are. Yep. Um, and so he was. you were here last night uh, yep. with the, yep. the display of the Eucharistic Miracles. And uh, you will be in Bemidji. No, Pine Island. Pine Island Pine tonight. Island. Yep. Um, and then Bemidji on Thursday, right? And then yep. Tower, Tower on Friday. Yep. Yeah, Tower will be Thursday night, and then Bemidji would be Wednesday night. Okay, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Brandon knows what's going on. That's what matters, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you and Brandon. As long as we get to the right place, there the you, right go. Time. That's there like, you go. So, Earl, talk to us a little bit about this this display that uh, you're you're bringing around. You've been doing this for what did you say last night? Seventeen years. Um, we started in 2011. Okay, that's when I uh, basically seen an article. I think I was reading uh, our Sunday Visitor, and I just. I don't know why, but I just read that there's a Vatican was putting out this uh, exhibit, and I didn't even finish reading the ad. I jumped up and went to the phone, dialed the phone number, and a woman answered, and I, I said, do you have a Eucharistic exhibit? And she said, yeah, I'll send it to you. What's your address? <laughs> I, I didn't know what that meant, so I gave her my address, and a few days later, I get a CD in the mail that I work in the printing industry, so I took it down. I couldn't open it with my computers, took it down there, and there's all these posters of these miracles that have happened all over the world. And uh, so I called my buddy Jim. Him and I have been meeting for a long time, and uh, we both uh, 
talked about what we're going to do with this exhibit. And I got prices for making the posters up, and it was going to be like almost $100 a poster. And uh, so we did some fundraising, got the posters made up, and uh, that's how we got started. Hmm. That's beautiful. So for those who have never seen this or, or even heard about it, what what can they experience when they come and see this Eucharistic Miracles display? Well, what it is, uh, it was put together by a teenage boy in Italy. Uh, he was 15 years old, and, and when he found a Eucharistic uh, miracle that he he uh, was excited by, his folks would take him there, and he'd investigate it and do all the research and everything. And, and uh, the ones that he found that were absolutely documented by the Vatican and by the bishops and, and had several people witnessed it and everything, he would put all the information in a big poster. And he did uh, like 160 of them, and then he died. Hmm. Well, his folks uh, donated the exhibit to the Vatican, and then the Pope said, we need to get this out to everybody in the world. Yeah. So when you come to the exhibit, you're going to be looking at these posters. But I think what we've found in the several years we've been doing it, the posters aren't aren't the biggest thing that goes on at the exhibit. When you come with an open heart to learn, the Holy Spirit moves in and, and uh, just overwhelms you with what you're reading. Well, I think we were, I was walking through the... How many did you have with us with you? This Is it all 160 or did you have 120 or what was... We had them all with us, but we didn't put them all up because uh, the space. hall didn't handle them all. Yeah. So I was walking through and reading them, and it's just like, you know, all, you were really just one of the stories could touch you and go, oh my. I mean, oh. But every story is, is like, wow, <laughs> this yeah. is amazing. You, you can't... I can't even tell you how many people we've seen just start crying. Mm-hmm. And, and you wonder, you know, was this poster that exciting or whatever, but something about it. We had a priest that at one of the parishes said, I'm going to read every poster. Mm-hmm. And that's almost impossible uh, to do in just a short period of time. So um, every day he would come in and read so many posters. And, and I think it was on a Wednesday. He, he just broke down and started sobbing. Wow. And he was from India. And the woman that was at the exhibit went running over there, Father, Father, what's wrong? And he said, this miracle happened in my hometown while I was gone, and I don't even know about it. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's amazing because when, when we were here last night, there were several people gathered around and uh, looking at the different miracles. And I heard one gentleman tell Father Paul that... Uh, he now understands more about what we what we mean when we talk about the real presence of the Eucharist after yep. experiencing reading all of these stories. Is that what it's about? Uh, bringing a deeper understanding into what we have in the Eucharist. I, I think the Catholic Church is promoting the real presence hasn't been clear to the people, and a lot of people don't understand that what they really mean by that is that this host and this blood actually turn, or this wine actually turn to the body and blood of Christ. And that's why we have to be so careful with it. That's why uh, the priest washes out the chalice at the end of Mass, because even the little crumbs in there need to be consumed because it's Jesus' body. And, there, and there's a plan. Jesus had a plan for all of this. If, mm-hmm. if you read the Bible and, you, and it tells you point blank this is what's going to happen. And uh, it's, it's just phenomenal when you stop and think about it. 
Yeah. Well, the Catholic Catechism tells us that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our Catholic faith. It is the central, right. it is the cornerstone, and that's why we were so excited to have you with us as Real Presence Radio. We uh, yeah. take that name because we believe in the Real Presence, and, and we want to bring His presence to others, and you're doing the same way. So as we started talking about this, like, man, wouldn't that be awesome if Earl could travel <laughs> with us? And it was really a last-minute <laughs> idea yeah. Um, yeah. that came together, but I told Brandon, I said, let's just walk down this road, and if the Lord puts it together and the Holy Spirit makes it possible, let's move forward. And so, yeah. thank you for making this possible. Well, Jim and I are committed to going wherever we're called, so uh, I couldn't turn it down. I couldn't. This is a great opportunity to reach out to people with this and, yeah. and open some hearts up. Yeah, absolutely. And as we mentioned, we were here in St. Joseph's last night in Montevideo. Tonight uh, at 7 p.m., we'll be at St. Michael's Church in Pine Island, Minnesota. So there'll be a presentation. It's about a half hour from 7 to 7.30 with viewing until 8.30 or until the last person, you know, uh, walks out the door. Sure. And then on Wednesday night, it's going to be at St. Philip's Church in Bemidji. Presentation at 6.30, viewing until 8.30. And then Thursday... It'll be at St. Martin's Catholic Church in Tower, Minnesota. That's up in the Iron Range, if you're not familiar with it. Again, presentation at 6.30 with viewing until 8.30. So if you have a chance, please uh, make the time to come out. You you won't regret it. It's it's quite, an as I was mentioning before, a, an incredible display. And they're not just stories. This is These are true miracles that have Absolutely. happened, aren't they, Earl? Yeah. Absolutely. <coughs> and several people, we've had several people at the places we've gone to. We've gone to over 80 some places now. And several people tell us this is going to change their life and the way they're living their life. Mm. That's that's so touching. Uh, it, somebody said, boy, this is, you're putting a lot of effort into this. And I'm saying, you know, the reward for us has been way greater than any effort we put into it. Just watching the Holy Spirit touch people's hearts and... It's just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, Excellent. and we're all called to, to different missions. So thank you for answering the call to uh, take this take this Eucharistic miracles display across the the Upper Midwest, and hopefully it just continues to grow because everyone needs to see it. So thanks for being on this morning with us, thank Earl, you. and uh, we will see you later tonight. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be. You're taking the turtle, and I'm taking the rabbit. Right? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. We'll, we'll, we'll be coming up behind you. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Thanks, Earl. Yeah. All righty. Well. Stay with us because coming up after the break, it is our Straight Talk call-in segment. It's your opportunity to ask questions of the faith to a local priest, in this case, Father Paul Timmerman, who's the pastor here at St. Joseph's, where we're hosting Real Presence Live on the road this morning. So don't go anywhere. Get your questions ready. We'll be right back when Real Presence Live on the road continues. Local, engaging, and on the road, live from the Church of St. Joseph in Montevideo, Minnesota. That's Real Presence Live on the road, on the Real Presence Radio Network. This week is the Fall Live Drive at Real Presence Radio. Call in Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central Time to support the mission of Real Presence Radio and keep Catholic Radio on the air. Our goal is to raise $600,000, which is the largest goal we've ever had. And with your support, we know we can do it. Our friendly volunteers will be standing by waiting for your call at 877-795-0122. 
Real Presence Radio wants to honor our fathers. As Catholics, we see our priests as spiritual fathers. We have so many great priests in our listening area who model and guide us to a closer relationship with our Heavenly Father. Each week on Real Presence Live, we will honor our spiritual fathers with a dozen donuts donated by a local business to share with their staff. And of course, a good father would want to share. Let us know who you would like to honor. And each week, we will draw a name to share stories of great spiritual fathers. Visit yourcatholicradiostation.com to honor your father today. Hello? Hello? They're not calling you, Steve. Oh. They're calling Father Paul Timmerman. Oh. oh. Do you know oh. why? No. Uh, is it straight talk? It is straight talk. There you go. <laughs> that was really corny. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried. It's the fall and we eat corn in the fall, so that's good. Hey, folks, That was even worse. Real Presence Live. <laughs> We're just going to move along here. <laughs> Coming to you live from St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Montevideo, Minnesota. And uh, thanks for listening in. And if you're driving along Black Oak Avenue, wave. And we'll wave right back to you because we're sitting outside here uh, with uh, Brandon Clark and Father Paul Timmerman. And it's a great morning. It sure is. Thanks for having us here, Father Paul. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for coming. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, we're having a great time. Uh, we had some rain go through in the night, but everything is cleared up. And yeah. it's just uh, it's going to be a beautiful day. Yeah, some nice uh, hot weather. We've been praying for hot weather for the corn for yeah. a long time. And uh, yeah, just... Um, I remember about two weeks ago, maybe about two weeks ago, I didn't see any hot weather coming up in the forecast. We've been praying every day for hot weather at the daily masses, mm-hmm. and it seemed like all of a sudden some 80s came up. So yeah. it's uh, really awesome. Prayers answered. Uh, that'll help the corn. We need the corn, the yeah. hot heat for the corn right now. Absolutely. Right. So if you're tuning in right now, listening uh, all across the network or on FM 89.5 here in Montevideo, where we're broadcasting from this morning, we've got Father Paul Timmerman, who's the pastor here, and uh, he's looking for your calls. 877-795-0122 is the call-in number. 877-795-0122. Or you can submit your questions on Facebook as we're streaming via Facebook Live this morning. Or if you're in the area and you want to sacrifice just a little bit, you could stick on a headset and ask a question like Melinda. We have Melinda here. She's wow, she the, came fast. Yes. <laughs> it was like, I didn't even see her run in. It was so fast. Melinda is the area administrator, correct? Mm-hmm. Excellent. And you have a question for Father Paul this morning. I do have a question for Father Paul. So, Father Paul, are the faithful supposed to use the Iran's posture during the Our Father? Okay, good question. Yeah, so th- what's the Oran's posture? The Oran's posture, um, well, we're on radio, so you can't see me right now, but like <laughs> it's when, when the priest holds his hands up, uh, like at the Our Father, when he's holding them up in, in the air like that, and the Oran's means the praying position. So according to the general instruction of the Roman Missal, it doesn't say exactly what the posture of the people is. It just says that the priest is supposed to have his hands in the Oran's position. Uh, but um, in that, the way liturgical law, li- the way the liturgical documents are written is such that they're descriptive. They don't say what not to do usually. They say what we are to do. And so by not saying that the um, the laity, the faithful, are to have their arms in the Oran's position, the praying position, um, it seems then that that's not what the church has envisioned. And so, and just shortly after that, and within moments, the faithful share the sign of peace. And and then also they're united um, in voice, like in praying the Our Father together. And so there is a uni- true unity there 
uh, in that. So, so it seems that in the church's uh, view that um, it just the the priest would, and that's why if you have a deacon at the mass where he keeps his hands together, um, and so that's that seems to be what the church's um, view of, of the Ron's position would be. So. Yeah, good question. Thank you. Did that answer your question? Yep. Excellent. Thanks if, for uh, coming on. If you've got a question, you can call at 877-795-0122. And, and folks, that was a tough question, so it looks like Father <laughs> Timmerman <laughs> he's is willing, he's willing to take any question. So uh, uh, shoot the cannon out here, and uh, and he will uh, give his uh, best shot at that. You know, Father, I, I like the image of, so for myself at Mass, I really love the image of, and I think this goes back to the Old Testament, even where uh, the priest is standing in the place, um, basically as a you know a supplicating you know in in our to the Lord, and so we we direct our prayers to the priest, and he directs them to heaven. So like the Our Father is, we're actually uh, directing our prayers to the priest, and you're standing in that Oron's position, where yeah. to me, vi- you know, vision wise, it looks like my prayers are bouncing off of you and into the heavens. Um, does that does that work? Is that a, that's just my own you know picture of that? But basically, you're you're directing our prayers to heaven, and so we you're standing in that place as an intercessor for us. Yes, right. Like um, that's the um, for the most part. Yeah, like in the mass where the priest is the one who's addressing God the Father. Like you know, for example, at the end of the intercessions where we say what we all want to pray for. And then the priest is the one who addresses God the Father and, and brings all those the people's prayers to God. And, and, and so um, that's exactly right where um, the, that's what the priest has been ordained to do is to, uh, to intercede, to, to bring the people's prayers to God the Father and then to bring um, the Father's blessings, the graces of the Father to the people and giving those to the people as well. And that's kind of way you understand that the, the priest stands in, in persona Christi, which is in the yeah. person of Christ. Because you might make the argument, well, Christ is the only intercessor for us. Well, guess what? The priest is standing in the place of Christ at the Mass, right? Right, exactly. So um, at the sacraments, where it's uh, Jesus himself who's celebrating the sacraments. You know, So when I'm baptizing someone, it's actually Jesus baptizing that child or that person. Um, when I'm... Um, celebrating mass it's actually jesus who's celebrating that mass and so uh before i was ordained you know maybe even when i was a deacon and i was finishing all my seminary studies i could have dressed like a priest and said all the words of a priest but it wouldn't have been um it wouldn't have happened like the the bread wouldn't have changed because i wasn't ordained in persona christi capitis in the person of christ jesus uh the head christ the head uh, and be able to celebrate the sacraments and, and as such, and so um, yeah. So it's not just it's not uh, just like Father Paul. It's not Father Paul's mass. It's it's not Father Paul's who's uh, uh, the one changing the bread and the wine. It's Jesus who's changing the bread and wine into His body and blood, and then offering them to the Father, just like He did on the cross, because it, it's a representation of of the sacrifice of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross two thousand years ago, just making that present again to us. And uh, that one sacrifice. So, exactly. So let's take this one step further, and let's go into the conversation because I love how the church um, really explains this, uh, and philosophically and, and, and theologically, it really talking about by the you know by the working of the work. 
So e- oh, yeah. even the priest, <clears throat> tell, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I'm, but the priest could actually be in mortal sin and still say the mass, and the mass would still be valid. Now, of course, he's going to be in a in a hurt bag. Right, right, right. <laughs> he's in a bad position, <laughs> but the mass is still valid. Jesus was still confected on the altar um, because it doesn't matter. The priest yeah. is not really the one saying the mass. It's Jesus saying the mass. He's just standing in his person. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. It's um, And so it's with that where... Um, the people don't have to worry about like how holy is my priest in that sense like is this truly the Eucharist or not or was my confession valid or not Um, if he's a validly ordained priest with faculties and he says the words of the sacrament that the the church uh, gives him um, they can have full confidence yeah like the bread changed into Jesus body because it's Jesus then who's changing it and uh, similarly in the sacrament of confession with absolution, when he uses the words of absolution, um, it's then Jesus forgiving this person. And uh, they don't have to wonder, like, well, um, I've heard stories about Father or whatever like that, you know, or just, like, wondering about his holiness. Um, it's with that where they know, like, I've been forgiven. This is Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, and this was a valid baptism, all of that, yeah. Excellent. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is the call-in number. We've got Father Paul Timmerman here this morning taking your questions on Straight Talk. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You can also submit your question on Facebook as we're streaming via Facebook Live, or if you want to stop by and throw on a headset quick and uh, ask your question that way, you certainly can. We're certainly looking forward to your questions. And, and Father Paul, he's he's ready for whatever you want to throw at him. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> Father, we were talking about, uh, you, you know, you were talking about the Eucharist, right, and in the, in the celebration of the, the consecration. We had the Eucharistic miracles display here last night. Yeah. Talk about what it means to have something like that, which has never been here before, come right. in and, and be present among the, the people of your parishes. And, and people came from, from all around, kind of a radius all around Montevideo, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really beautiful. Uh, we had people coming from uh, Marshall, Madison, uh, Ghent, Canby. So about 45-minute radius uh, around here. Uh, and so it was just uh, really awesome to see people coming together and then to see all these displays and like bringing the Universal Church uh, you know, experiencing a manifestation of the Universal Church, where we're seeing about and reading about the Eucharistic miracles in Orvieto and Lanciano, uh, in Buenos Aires, you know, all these different places, and just making it manifest is just so beautiful. Uh, I mean, it just in many ways brought me back to my semester in Rome, where I experienced the Universal Church, like being in St. Peter's Piazza and standing next to someone from South America and someone from Asia and someone from Africa, and we're all praying the Mass together. And so um, just recognizing how we do have that, um, we're part of the Universal Church. And so, and and then also just the beauty of uh, really focusing on the Eucharistic miracles, the real presence of Jesus, because that's such a gift uh, um, that we have as Catholics, where it's Jesus. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's not just a, a symbol, but Jesus himself. And, and so to have that, um, I think, just speaks volumes. And, and uh, it's um, what makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. So call in with your question, 877-795-0122. Maybe you want to talk more about the Eucharist. Maybe you, maybe you want to talk about Eucharistic miracles. Maybe you want to talk about 
why we do what we do with with the consecration. Whatever's on your heart this morning, 877-795-0122. And I think we're going to dive into prayer here a little bit because we do have a caller on the phone this morning, Father. We have Gail from Bismarck. Good morning, Gail. Good morning, gentlemen. I hope you're having a great day. Yes, it's a beautiful day here in Montevideo. How is it in Bismarck? It's, um, well, it's pretty wonderful. It's, um, <laughs> it, it's like the summer in the fall, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, totally Two more days of summer before the fall returns, right? <laughs> what's yeah, your, there you go. Here you go. What's your question for Father Paul this morning? My question is, why do Catholics hold their hands? It was told to me once by a priest that it's something to do with way back when and when kings would put their hands over people's folded hands or something, but I never caught the whole story. Sure, that's a good question. Um, I'll, I'll take my best stab at it. So, um, uh, I like when um, some people, when they have their hands... Um, I've heard similar thing when, when having your hands like together instead of like having them like intercrossed in between each other, you know, when they're folded, but having them uh, like uh, that with the fingers pointing up, um, in a sense, uh, or a couple things pointing up towards God and and reminding ourselves like uh, um, uh, that we are talking to God, and then um, the thing that the that priest was uh, talking to you about also is where. Um, yeah, going back to the feudal days uh, where uh, a person would put, like a, a servant would put their hands folded like that in, and then the feudal lord would put his hands on the outside. And you actually see this in an ordination rite uh, where the the, pre, the one who's being ordained will put his hands um, uh, face up like that and, and then the, the bishop put his hands around and uh, where the... Uh, the one being ordained is promising his obedience, making the promise of obedience and uh, and uh, of submission in that sense. And so it's like us, um, uh, in a sense, giving our uh, obedience to God and, and submitting to God, and uh, and also reminding ourselves if our fingers pointing up like that of whom we're speaking to, and that this is uh, different. I mean, we don't do that in any other time of our lives. Like, it's it's uh, just when we're praying like that, that we that we do that. And so it also marks it off with our bodies, that we are not just angels, we, or we are, bo- uh, we are humans, we are body and soul. And so we pray with our bodies, uh, and, that, and so we need those postures to help us to pray. And, and it reminds, because we're not just a brain on a stick, as one of my college professors would say, um, we're not just a brain on a stick, uh, but we have bodies. And so uh, we use our bodies to pray. Yeah. Does that answer your question, Gail? It does. Thank you very much. Yes. You're welcome. Thanks so much for your call. And you can call in like Gail did at 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. Or you can submit your question to us on Facebook. Or if you happen to be in the area, you can stop by and, and uh, throw on a headset and ask the question here. We do have a couple other callers calling in here. And uh, we are going to go to Karen from Felton, Minnesota. And uh, Karen, you're on the line. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Karen, how old are you? Seven. You're seven. What is your question for Father Timmerman? Um, how does God always exist? How does God always exist? Yes. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay, Father, how does God what? always exist? We got a philosopher on our hands. This is great. Way to go, Karen. Um, yeah, this is mind blowing because God just is existence. Like he he always has existed and always will exist. Uh, he never began existing. Everything else um, came into existence, right? And so we can only think in those terms and those cons uh, those concepts. But um, God always has existed. He he never started existing, uh, and so. Uh, he said, that's just simply who he is. <laughs> I mean, I guess simply answering it the most simply is, that's just simply who he is. is uh, um, as he said to Moses, I am who am. Uh, and so he's saying how he's uh, always existed. And so, um, and so, yeah. Does that answer your question, Karen? Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks so much for your call. It's kind of one of those mind-boggling things, Father. Yeah. You know, they talk about the unmoved mover. It's a, yeah. it, in a sense of, um, you, you, if you make the argument, I know philosophically you go back and you're looking for where did things began. Yet there has to be a kind of a beginning. There, it, it, it follows that there has to be something that didn't begin. Right. right? And so in order for there, otherwise you can, you can argue that you just go back and back and back and back and back. But at some point, something had to be there that things started right. from. Exactly. And so that's, you know, as that, that's what we call God, right? That's that the unmoved mover is one exactly. of the, the yeah. philosophical. Right. Yeah, exactly. We do have another question. This one comes from Phil on Facebook. Phil says, The Baltimore Catechism tells us that a soul in mortal sin is dead and cannot receive any grace. How then does that soul find the grace to repent, Father? That's a good question. Wow. So, um, so read it one more time, would you? Yep, or or yep. if you can say it one more time. Sure. Uh, the Baltimore Catechism tells us that a soul in mortal sin is dead and cannot receive any grace. How then does that soul find the grace to repent? That's a good question. So... God, obviously, we, we can't uh, repent just on our own. So God is still chasing us like the hound of heaven. Um, and, uh, and so he's still searching after us. As we heard in uh, um, you know, our gospel this last Sunday, uh, where he, the searcher doesn't give up on the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. And he's, he's actively out there searching for us. And it's not like we... Uh, um, we can't save ourselves. Like well, we're not Pelagian, uh, and we we don't earn salvation or make that happen. And so it's with this where um, God is even drawing us um, to Himself, and in uh, drawing us back to Himself, and drawing us to the sacrament of, of confession. Then you know, like an end where He desires to uh, give us. Uh, his his uh, mercy and his grace and all the more fully and so that we can be in that state of grace and he desires to be in friendship with us again and so so God is constant still if we're in the state of uh, sin God doesn't give up on us where he's drawing us and continue to work on us um, and so yeah we're, we're so we're not then just like make saving ourselves or like where we have to get back to confession ourselves and then god love us again or then god will work with us again no he, he's still uh, working in our lives and drawing us seeking us out searching for us um, 
<laughs> that might not be in the exact terms uh, yeah, that yeah. that um, um, the the same terms as the Baltimore Catechism, but but those are the truths uh, of that. Yeah. I, th- I think some distinctions would need to be made too, in the sense that uh, saying that the soul is dead. I'm not sure if that's what the Baltimore Catechism says exactly, but there's a difference between sanctifying grace and actual grace. And of course, in the state of mortal sin, we lose sanctifying grace, which means if we die in the state of mortal sin, you can't get to heaven. But actual grace is still available to us. We just don't have sanctifying grace. And so I think that's the clarification there, is that the soul isn't necessarily dead to all grace, but we lose sanctifying grace, which means that's the grace that gets us into heaven. Um, And so the clarification, actual grace is still available to us, but the sanctifying grace is lost i believe right so no be that's right. exactly right yeah thank you thank you steve phil thanks for your question i hope that uh helps answer it and you can submit your question on facebook or you can call in at 877-795-0122 like tonya from holly she's on the line good morning tonya good morning what is your question for father timmerman good morning father good morning so my question is hi <laughs> My question is, what does it look like when um, couples or families join the church and they have older children, or let's say a couple adopt older children and want to bring them into the church? What does that look like? Obviously, they're not infants anymore. Um, what does that look like for receiving the sacraments and um, education in their faith? Good question. So um, so we're talking like, like teenagers or, or like uh, kind of thing? Uh, over well, over or seven like, you know, or three to oh yeah I, I well you know let's say they haven't even been baptized you know like say three to ten you know okay yeah so um, I think the first thing to do would be to um, to go to your local parish priest and, and talk to to him and because then it, sometimes it depends on the situation as far as how. Uh, what would make most sense and uh, what would uh, be the best approach uh, for this family. And so sometimes um, the priest might uh, be meeting with the people or it might be going through simply baptism classes of really young children. Uh, the parents going through baptism classes if the children are older uh, might have the parish depending on um, the resources and such and situation might have someone who can meet with the child and uh, helping them to understand a little bit greater so so I think the the um, my answer mainly would be to to go to the local parish priest and talk to him about what the situation is and um, and where you'd be able to uh, the priest uh, will be able to help discern that because there's a whole varied way a whole variety of um, ways that that might be uh, go about so yeah does that answer your question Tonya yeah mm-hmm. thank you you're welcome. Thanks for calling in. I think bottom line there, Father, all things are possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So exactly. you just have to figure out the right approach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks again to Tonya for that call, and we still have a few minutes for you to call in at 877-795-0122. That number again is 877-795-0122. We do have a question from a listener who wasn't able to be on the phone, Jacob from Sioux Falls. Father would like to know, if you have people of different denominations at Mass, or just gathered together, is it okay to pray with other Christians? If so, why is it not okay to have communion with others? Ah, good question. Yeah, very good question. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's definitely okay to, to pray with other Christians. Um, uh, the we, the 
Pope shows this in uh, like our ecumen- in praying with uh, leaders of other denominations and and uh, and religions and such, um, and so. Um, so that's not a problem. The um, but like uh, as far as with uh, communion, where uh, in communion we're not only saying that this is the um, like when the priest says the body of Christ. We're not when we say Amen. We're saying I believe. I'm not just saying I believe that this is Jesus, body and blood, soul and divinity, but I'm also saying that I am in communion with the Catholic Church, that I'm in full communion with the Catholic Church. I believe what the Catholic Church teaches in purg- about purgatory, about Mary, about the saints, about confession, um, uh, teachings and sexuality, all of that, that I'm saying I, I believe what the Church teaches and I'm in full communion. Yes, I believe. And so um, that's uh, then where someone who's not Catholic doesn't believe everything the Catholic Church believes, it is, and, and so so they're not able to to say that, and so it would not be um, uh, honest uh, to to say Amen and to receive uh, Holy Communion at the Mass. So right, yeah, I've heard it on the radio uh, with Dr. David Anders. Him uh, attribute it to is something like, you know, saluting a foreign flag. Mm. You wouldn't salute a foreign flag, right? Mm. If you're American, right? So yeah. That's a good point. A good example. <coughs> well, I think just the, the the stumbling block of being able to say, I believe this is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, if you're outside the Catholic Church, uh, that's really not, even as Protestants, they may say, you know, they believe in, like, it... The, there's different phrases. There's transubstantiation. There's co-substantiation. Blah blah blah. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the belief is not really there. So for a non-Catholic to come in and truly say this is, I do believe this is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That's a stumbling block. Pretty big one by yeah. itself. Yeah, but yeah. then you go to the next things in the, within the church. Right. Um, so and, and Paul, you know, talks about in Scripture. Don't bring condemnation upon yourself. Um, and that's I think that's where the church is really trying to protect yeah. people and saying. You don't believe this. Don't say you believe this just for unity because you're lying and now you're bringing on yourself condemnation. Yeah. So I, I think the Mother Church is really trying to protect us from ourselves. <laughs> right. And I mean, and also just the history of the church where, the, um, where you see that um, communion was just for those who are full uh, union with, with the Catholic Church as far as at, at the Mass. Mm-hmm. And so, so we have that even just the argument of history as well. So, right. yeah. yeah. We do have another question. This comes from the Holy Family area, actually. Margaret from Granite Falls. She says, in Psalm 119, it says... Okay, you're going to have to help me out here. X-I-V, none. Why is that there? What does it mean? Ah, yes. So, in the Psalms, where it's... Sometimes where it'll speak of, like, the different... I'm trying to remember, going back to my scripture classes. Like, I think it's the different voices... Um, like with with the Psalms, um, and so um, uh, I apologize, apologize, Margaret. I can't remember the exact one for for this, uh, but where it's um, it's relating to like as far as uh, the composition of the Psalms and just uh, where um, the different voices is what's coming to my mind. I can't remember the, anything more particular than that, uh, but uh, yeah, um, sorry. 
Um. <laughs> but since you're in the area, maybe Father can, yeah. can look that up, and next time you see him, Margaret, he can uh, yes. have an answer for you. Yes, that sounds good. That's a good <laughs> idea. I like that, Brandon. <laughs> sounds great. Well, uh, Father Paul, thanks so much for being on the air with us this morning. The phone lines were busy. We, we got lots of questions, and that's what we want on Straight Talk here. So you can tune in, not the rest of this week, but most Monday through Fridays from 9.30 to 10 a.m. Central and call in with your questions during Straight Talk. So it's time to uh, step away from uh, for a break. And when we return, we have uh, just a beautiful story of... Uh, of Dave Swenson. He's a parishioner here, correct? Yes. He's yeah. a parishioner here, and he's just... <laughs> we're talking about the real presence. He's experienced the real presence in just a, an amazing, miraculous way, and we're going to share his story in our Encountering Christ's Real Presence segment. That's coming up here in just a couple minutes on the other side of the break. So thanks for tuning in to Real Presence Live on the road here from St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Montevideo. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Clark, joined by... Steve Sponskowski. Executive Director, and we'll be right back right after the break. 